Hey, welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it out. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. So I'm so excited to have our guest with us this morning. It's, it's, we don't have a lot of guests here, but when we do, you know very well that they come in here and they bring the pain. And so I'm so excited for our guest today is my friend Rob Ketterling. He planted a church in Minneapolis called River Valley in 1995 in an elementary school that has now grown to 10,000 plus people on 11 campuses, 10 domestically and and one overseas. He's written multiple books. He He's going to speak on a combination of two of them today, one called Keep the Change, one called Change Before You Have To. And so I'm going to tell you, you got, I've been, I have been wanting to have Pastor Rob come here and speak for years. And so I'm so excited for the fact that he is with us today. So will you put your hands together and welcome my friend, my brother, the right Reverend Rob Cutterling. <laughs> appreciate it. Appreciate it. Oh, man. It is great to be with you guys. Uh, love being in Wisconsin. My oldest son was born here. And uh, yeah, I said, you could be a Packer fan and a Viking fan because you were born here, right? You know, and I pastor in Minnesota. And by the way, Pastor Sean, thank you for that confession. How many liked his hunting confession? Like I was like halfway through, I'm like, if you keep talking, they're going to tell you to move to Canada. I mean, like, oh man. And would somebody get him in a deer stand, please, please get him in a deer stand. All right. Uh, yeah, I pastor that multi-site church and we're announcing uh, our 12th campus this morning. Uh, so that's going on on video back home. And if you don't know about our church, we love uh, missions. Uh, last year, our church gave $8 million to world missions to build churches all around the world. Yeah. So we're, we're in love with that. We want to send 500 missionaries out into the world. And right now we've sent uh, 227 or 224 uh, out into the world. And we just celebrated that as a church. We just believe that everybody has a right to hear uh, the life-changing message of Jesus Christ, the good news. And with 42% of the world never hearing it, we're committed to sending, giving, going. And uh, we love that. Now, I'm going to jump right in because I feel like I have three messages all rolled up into one. And I assured him we'll end on time. And I assured him especially second service because he said after service, he's going to take me to the Packers game. And uh, so I'm in, I'm in. So this one's going a little long. That one will end on time. All right, so. <laughs> so um, I, I wrote my first book called Change Before You Have To. And here's how it started. Um, I didn't intend for it to be a book. And uh, I was out to eat with some friends, my wife and I, some friends. And uh, my friend said, what would you do if you lost your wife? You're so high maintenance, Rob. Like she picks out your clothes for you. She does all the books. She takes care of the house. You're so high maintenance. I mean, what would you do? I said, if I ever lost Becca, I don't know what I'd do. And I'd have to lose weight. And as soon as I said that, I was like, did that just come out of my mouth? You know? And my, my wife goes, if I was to die, you'd have to lose weight? 
And I was like, did I, I said that. And before I could think of a lie to say, and by the way, you're wondering like, what do, what do you mean? Go ahead and show my driver's license picture. You'll see, this is, this is Fat Rob and then there's new license, okay? Before the, okay, so I was an extra large shirt. I, I had about 30 pounds right here. It was like a beach ball. It was right here and right here. I was so big that my sister-in-law, she's from Vietnam. And every time we'd go to her house, she'd go, you have baby? You have baby? I was like, that's not nice. That's not politically correct. You can't do that, you know. So my wife's like, you'd lose weight if I was to die. And my friend said, what he's saying is he could never get an attractive woman like you looking fat like that. And then my wife said, you'd lose weight for another woman? And I said, I'll, I'll lose it for you. I'll do it for you. And she's like, whatever, fatso, eat your dessert. You know, I mean, and so I went to the doctor. I said, treat me like I had a heart attack. I'm gonna change my life. And then I was like, there's gotta be something in the Bible that talks about this. And I realized that Josiah, when they read the word of God to him, he's like, we're doing it all wrong. And he changed before he had to. Nobody had to like prophetically say, thou art the man. He didn't have to have a tragedy. The word of God just jumped off the page and it convicted him and he changed his life. So I preached the sermon series. Somebody heard about it. It became a book. And that went out. And um, by the way, if you're wondering like, you know, okay, well, show me a picture of your family. Here's where the second, that was like mini sermon one. Here's the second one. I'll show you a picture of my family. Here's a picture of our family. You'll see my son, Connor, on the far right, his wife, Alexia, my wife, Becca, in the middle. Now you know why I couldn't get a woman like, you know, you get it. And then uh, our oldest son, our youngest son, Logan, and his wife, Michaela. And we do have one new addition. We have our grandson. I want to show you a picture because he gets all like, yeah, he gets all the attention. I didn't even know they made baby Cheetos. Like, I didn't even know. Like, I was like, what are we doing feeding Cheetos? Like, and she's like, no, no, they're baby Cheetos. All right. So... Um, now, this is where the second sermon comes in. I, I always have to give God the glory for this. Um, our oldest son was born with autism, okay? I mean, autism. Now, when I share this, you're gonna say, how autistic? Like, slept in a car seat. Like, autistic kids love to be held tight, and so if we laid him in the crib, he'd scream all night. If we put him in the car seat, he'd sleep. Sleep deprivation caused us to take his car seat and put it in his crib, you know? We didn't realize he had autism. Everything was a train. He'd line everything up in a train. He couldn't make eye contact with us. It was like, yeah, 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 where are we going? Where are we going? Yeah, yeah. And, and we thought he was shy. He was nonverbal. He'd only repeat, never played with other kids. We had him tested. We bring him to special, you know, special ed. They test him. They say, your child has autism. It wasn't what I had signed up for. I didn't know that that was like gonna be in our future. And I knew that God could heal. So I started praying for healing. So for two years, we fasted, we prayed, we went to every service that you could go to. I bought everything on TV, like holy water, holy handkerchief, you know, anointing oil from Israel. I bought it all, you know, like if I, I just want, I was desperate. I just thought, God, just heal my son. And after two years, I kind of gave up on healing and I thought, God, you're a loving God and a kind God. You always want to save people. I see that every week, but I'm not seeing you heal. I'm not seeing you be very powerful. So I'm just going to preach a loving, kind God and not a very powerful God. And uh, can I just say this? That's a terrible way to live. Yeah. Never change your theology. Never change a truth about God just because your circumstance is hard. Wow. Never. Okay? So I'm there, and that's the end of service, and it's just a normal day, and the guy says anything we could pray for. He's a guest preacher, just like today, guest preacher. And I'm about to pray for bigger offerings, church growth, whatever. And my wife goes, our son has autism, and we want to see him healed. 
And I'm like thinking in my mind, we kind of given up on that, you know, like we're, we did two years, you know, we're good. And I was like, but I'm not getting the way of mama bear. She wants to pray for that. We're going to pray for that. And he goes to lay hands on our son and he goes like this. He goes, you know what? God has heard you say that he's a loving God and a kind God. But now to show you that he's a powerful God, he's going to heal your son. Wow. He read my mail. And in that moment, he lays hands on our son and our son who couldn't look us in the eye, he prays a simple prayer, just prays a simple prayer. Didn't yell, didn't shake him, nothing. And all of a sudden our son just looks up and goes, hi dad, where are we going? I mean, miraculously healed, completely restored by the power of God. We bring him into special ed the next day, bring him into special ed. And we say, look at Connor. And she's like, oh my goodness, what happened? We said he got healed in church yesterday. She can't believe it. She brings her boss in. She goes, take a look at this child. Look for anything. She goes, what am I looking for? There's nothing. What am I supposed to see? She goes, he had autism. He's been in special ed for, you know, two years. He was miraculously healed. And she goes, he didn't get healed. She goes, you know what you did? You stole from the state. You had a perfectly normal child in here for two years. How dare you steal from the state of Minnesota? I said, yeah, it's every parent's dream to steal from special ed. You know, yeah. I said, no, God healed my son and he gets the glory. So come on, let's give God praise right now. All right. Now, I can't open that up without showing you two slides. All right. So I want to show you the first one. Here's what I believe about healing. Go ahead and throw it on the screen for us. There's the cross. All right. Our healing was paid for on the cross. We are living in our right now. And we're wondering if what he paid for, which is also waiting for us in heaven. That's the picture there. The Bible says when we get into heaven, all of our things will be taken away and we're going to be fine. And we're wondering, can what he paid for and what's waiting for us be brought into our now? Yes, you can. Put the second slide up there. I'll show you this. It's a miracle. When it jumps from heaven, all of our miracles are waiting for us in heaven. And when they jump into our now, they become a miracle. And we are allowed to pray for what's been paid for, what's waiting for us in heaven to be released into our now. That's okay. We can do that. And you th- now some of you are like, wait, wait, wait. Okay, I understand. And if you notice what it says under there, I'm gonna ask for what's paid for. I'm gonna acknowledge my current reality. I can't stand with people like, I'm not, I'm not sick, I'm not broken. No, no, there's something wrong. It's okay to acknowledge where you are, but ask what has been paid for and then appropriate. Appropriate means to make yours. You're just saying it's mine and you're grabbing hold of it. Okay, last thing, and I got to get in the message or we're never going to end on time. All right, this is not the message. All right. Um, You don't control the release date. You don't control the release date. God does. And I could say, you can ask him to release it early. How many know like Christmas? You're like, when you're a kid, you're like, mom, dad, can I open one early? Can I open one early? Like, no, you can't open one early. Can I open one early? Can I please, can I please open one up early? There's seven presents under the tree. Can I open one early? And then how many know on Christmas Eve, they're like, all right, you can open one early. And it was socks and underwear. How many know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> and they let you open one early because you asked and asked and asked and asked and asked. Sometimes because we ask, God's like, all right, I'm gonna let you open it up early. I was saving that for when you get here and I get to give it to you face to face but you can ask for me to release it early. All right? All right, show of hands. How many have been praying for something for a long time and just hearing that God gave new faith in you to keep praying? You don't have to say what it is. Show of hands. Lord, I just pray right now for everyone whose hand is up in Jesus' name. They're not gonna grow tired and weary. They're not gonna believe that you're not a good God, not a kind God, not a powerful God, 
but they're gonna know that it's paid for, it's waiting, and they, it can be released to now. They acknowledge where they are now, but they're gonna ask for what's paid for. They're gonna appropriate that and believe that someday it's theirs and you could release it early and God let faith rise up. They are not crazy to keep praying. They are not crazy to live in faith. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, amen. One more time, give God praise for healing. He's a powerful God. All right, we gotta get back to the change. So I make the change. I make the change, I change my life. I'm eating almonds and salmon. I didn't even know that I could do that. I'm working out. I'm, I got rid of all the little Debbie snack cakes. You know what I mean? I'm just like, oh man, I changed my life. All right? And then 10 years later, I realized I've kept the change. And I realized there's a bunch of people that don't keep change, they make change. Matter of fact, um, you, 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 you get sober and then you think like, oh, and you fall back. Or, or, or you got saved. Maybe this happened to you. You gave your life to Jesus. You heard about the grace of God. And you said, I'm in. And your family said, it'll never last. It'll never last. You're never gonna keep it. You may have a season, but you're not gonna keep it. No, God wants you to keep the things that you've worked so hard for. The apostle Paul in Philippians 3, 13 through 16, he says, no dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race to receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Now listen to this, he says, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we've already made. The apostle Paul said, there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of things, I'm looking ahead, I'm forgetting behind, I got, and you're, all right, I know it's difficult, but we gotta hold on to what we've already gained. And some of you have worked too hard to lose what God has done in your life. Some of you have made radical change and you cannot lose. And, and for me, it was weight loss. And, and this is not a weight loss thing, all right? We're gonna talk about spiritual change because some of you are like, yeah, he lost weight and this message is for him and her and him. Don't do that, don't be pointing around. It's not a weight loss thing. This is a change your life thing. And what I've learned is why people don't hold the change is they make excuses and they fall for deception. I love that the Bible is full of stories that show us all the things like these that, that we can learn from. And so there's some things here that I've just uh, titled up different things and I'll hit as many as I can. It's just a couple chapters of the book, but um, I really wanna help you to, to hold the change. The first thing is we have faulty memory. We forget how bad it was. Like we just forget. Like I have so much more energy than I did, but I forget. We forget, like, and it's interesting, in Deuteronomy, Moses is telling the children of Israel, they were in slavery. They were in slavery, and they faced a little bit of difficulty, and they're like, man, remember how good it was when we were in slavery? Food was amazing. Remember how good that food was when we were in slavery? A little bit of, they're in freedom. A little bit of difficulty, and they're longing for slavery and for food they had in slavery. And in Deuteronomy, God has to tell them, he says, be careful to watch yourself closely so you don't forget the things that your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Be careful because we have faulty memory. We forget things. We forget what God saved us from. Some of you need to tell your testimony to somebody this week of who you were before you found Jesus, what he did for you and how you're living now so you'll remember what he saved you from. We have faulty memory. All right. 
By the way, I love preaching to you. You're clapping and amening and doing us. In Minnesota, they're so Norwegian, like this right here. That is a screaming amen in Minnesota. I'm just telling you. Right it's a screaming amen. All right. All right, here's another one. Samson syndrome. What's Samson syndrome? If you know the story of Samson, Samson's strength is in his hair. And he's able to do miraculous things because he just has the, his long hair. God's anointed him in some way that his hair being long, he can do it. Well, he's flirting with Delilah and Delilah's like, what's the secret of your strength? He's like, oh, if you tie me up with old ropes, if you tie me up with new ropes, she, it doesn't work. And she, he's like, oh, if you braid my hair and she does that, it doesn't work. She doesn't get his strength away. And then he's like, ah, oh, if you shave my head, he gives away his secret. He must've thought somewhere in there like, I got this. It's really not my hair. It's really not the anointing that God gives me. I got it. It's my strength. I can make it on my own. You know what? I didn't need my small group that week. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to read my Bible. I got this. I got this. I understand it. It's good. It kind of repeats itself. I got it. No. In 1 Corinthians 10, 12, it says, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. See, as you start thinking, I got this, and you start thinking you're the secret sauce to everything that's happening. Uh-uh, you're not. God's grace is sustaining you. He's giving you the power to say no. He's giving you the power to live in victory over whatever it is that you're facing. Here's another one, not my fault. It's an excuse or a self-deception. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, the Bible tells us in Genesis, God says to Adam, what'd you do? He's like, not my fault. You made her before she was here, never sinned. You made her, now I've sinned. terrible. She go, he goes to Eve. What happened? Not my fault. Serpent. Went and made the serpent. Matter of fact, I think it's your fault we sinned because you made the serpent and uh, it's your fault. Isn't that crazy? And ever since then, we've been like, uh, not my fault. We are professional blame throwers. <laughs> your fault. <laughs> blame throwers. <laughs> not my fault. Not my fault. Not my fault. It, it, you know, I, I, and people, okay, especially when it comes to purity, men, I counseled a lot of men early in the church. Now I don't do any counseling. We have wonderful people that do it. But I counsel men and they'd be like, yeah, my wife caught me, pornography, or I committed adultery. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. She didn't met my needs. I would have not, I would have not. I said, uh-uh. The Bible does not allow you to be a blame thrower. If, if something's wrong in the marriage, you should fix that. If the, you should go to counseling, you should man up. You should be the gardener of the garden. You should take care. Like you, you can't use that as an excuse. It, it, God's not like, yeah, I know. Sorry, you married her. You know, you made the choice. You know, God's not doing that. Okay. Stop blaming other people for what you do. Cause James says like, you got deceived. You, your own lust pulled you down that. So stop being a blame. That's why we lose the change. We're doing so good. And then up uh, and we lose it. All right, here's another one, just this once. We fall for this lie all the time. Just this once, I'll do it, just this once. Well, did you know that once determines the direction? I learned that from a bill collector. One of the guys on our staff, we couldn't afford to pay him, you know, as one of the pastors yet. He was part-time and he was a bill collector. And he said, we've learned that if we can just get people to pay one payment towards their bill, we change their direction. I said, what do you mean? He said, let's say somebody owes us $10,000. And I call them as a bill collector. I say, hey, can you pay your bill? Like, I, I don't have $10,000. He goes, all I try to do is say, do you have $1? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And they're like, well, I got $1. And they're thinking, what does $1 do to $10,000, right? And he goes, but if I can get him to give us the $1, the whole time he's been walking away from his debt, 
The moment I get him to give one dollar, you know what he's done? He's changed his direction. And as soon as I get him to change his direction, I can keep moving in this way. And I can get $100, and I can get $500, I can get $1,000. But I gotta get him to change his direction. See, the enemy knows. You're like, I'm living in sobriety. I've, I've beat this, and I'm, doing, I, I'm no longer gonna look at porn. I've beat this. You know, I, I, I've, I've lost the weight. I beat this. You know, I, our marriage is healed and whole. I beat this. And the enemy knows just, if, you, if he could just get you to, oh, just, just one drink. Just, just, just one look, just, just, okay, just one night of going to bed angry and not applying what the counselor told you. Just, he just, and then he gets you to change the direction. And then, you know, as soon as he changes the direction, you know what the devil does? Then he piles guilt on you. Well, you might as well. You might as well, because now you're going this way. Look at you. That is the trajectory of your, you might as well. And because you feel so guilty, then you medicate with other things. You understand? So that's another lie that we believe. Here's one, are, are, are these, by the way, don't raise your hand, like, you know, but are these, uh, like, like I, these, I feel like some people, I've been watching you, you're kind of like, that's you, Samson, yeah. These should be helping, these should be helping. Okay, um, no one can see, that's another one. No one can see, I, I can do this, no one can see it, you know, and, and, and here's the deal, you, you look this way, you look that way, but you got to look this way. He sees Hebrews 4.13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. People see. People see. Just the other day, a new guy to our church, he said, ah, he said I'm new to the church. And he goes, I just want to tell you the day that you truly became my pastor. And I said, when? And he said, well, it was the other day. It was on a flight. And he said, I was there, I'm new to the church, and I was watching you, you were on the same flight as me, and you didn't know. And he said, and I watched this lady get up and bump into you as she was exiting, and she kind of was running to the front, and you were kind of like, okay, you just moved out of the way, and you let her go by. You didn't create a scene, and you're like, oh well. And you just kind of let it go, and he goes, that's the moment. I said, all right, there's my pastor right there. I was like, they're always watching, they're always watching. By the way, is anybody from my church here right now? You know, like, <laughs> they're always watching, they're just watching. I was in Sydney, Australia. Like watching the, uh, the fireworks on New Year's Eve and I said to my wife, there's a million people here. Nobody knows us. This is our little vacation, dream of a lifetime. And right then somebody behind me goes, Pastor Rob, is that you? <laughs> it was somebody from our church right there, like a million people. And I was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> Go home. You know, like I didn't say that out loud, but I thought it, you know, like, okay, but you think nobody can see you're like, well, I'm not as famous. Nobody sees me. God sees, God sees, let him hold you accountable. Here's another one, no harm, no foul. No harm, no foul. See, with my cholesterol, it was 240, which is terrible. I couldn't feel it, I couldn't feel it. Like, I, I, I couldn't feel it, and, and it wasn't like I woke up like, Phew, I'm feeling really sluggish today. You know, I gotta get a cholesterol change. You know, I didn't, I didn't feel it, you know? And by the way, let me pause for a moment here. Um, I change my life, pretend like I have a heart attack, and then I ultimately have a heart attack, which is just not fair. Go ahead, show the picture. That, they, they should have a picture of me. There you go. That was 10 years, uh, almost 10 years ago. And then I'm thinking like, and see, that's why some of you are like, see, that's why I don't diet, because you know, then you have that, and what, what's the, here's the thing, no change is wasted. Let me show you the picture of the heart. Go ahead and show that up there. 
on my heart, the red arrows are pointing to collaterals. Collaterals grow when you work out and when you get in shape. And they actually help your heart recover. And so my collaterals actually help me recover from my heart. I didn't do anything wrong. I lost all the weight. It's hereditary. There's nothing else I could have done. I had my cholesterol was down. I was on a medicine, all that. I was doing everything right. And, but he said the collaterals helped you recover. They might have saved your life. And the doctor said, no change is wasted. And some of you think, well, I'm getting into heaven. I don't have to worry about these struggles that I face. Let me tell you something. You do. First of all, no change is wasted. You'll live the abundant life. Secondly, your kids need to see you looking more like Jesus. Your family needs to see you, your coworkers. You understand, how sad would it be? Well, I'm getting in, it don't matter, I don't care. No, I wanna look more like Jesus so that the world sees that. Matter of fact, we're all saved by grace, okay? We all have gifts, but then God asks us to develop the fruit. All right, saved by grace. You're not getting in any other way. You got gifts and you use those and it's amazing. You didn't do anything, God gifted you. But the fruit, he says, develop that. And the fruit is other people see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And you know what? And then they come into the family of God. So we don't wanna waste those change, but no harm, no foul. It didn't, I didn't feel it, so it didn't bother. All right, I'll fly through this. I promise again, I'd end on time. All right, got a couple more. I'm not as bad as comparison. I'm not as bad as Steve. Steve's a worse husband than me. Aren't you glad you didn't marry Steve? Yeah, that's not a good way. That's not, God's not asking you to come into church and compare with everybody here. There's not a curve system. Like we're not like, all right, you're in, you're almost in, you're kind of, you know, you're on the edge, you know? Like we're not doing that. Like we're, we're not competing with other people. Jesus was sharing a story about this in Luke 18 about a Pharisee. And it, he talked about two men went up to the temple to pray in Luke 18. And he said, a Pharisee and a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that that man rather than the other went home justified before God for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. God's like, I'm not asking you to compare yourself to other people. I'm not asking you to look at how, I'm asking you to look at yourself and know how great I am. And I'm not competing with you. I'm trying to be the best me that I can be in Jesus' name. I wanna live the abundant life that he has. All right, here's one that is so good because you were talking about the pheasant thing. It's actually one of my points. I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared. That's an excuse and a deception that we use to fall into sin. I wasn't prepared. I was, like when I started losing the weight and I would travel to speak, I'd go there and they'd be like, hey, we've got a great dinner for you. You know, it's 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night. We got pasta and carbs and I'm trying to lose weight. You know, and so I'm like, okay, trying to eat anything, you know. And then they take me to restaurants. And so I found this book. It was called Eat This, Not That. And you could go to any restaurant. And I'd be at the restaurant and I'd be like, okay, I'm here. It says, eat the chicken piccata. Okay. And then, you know, Applebee's, you should fast. You know, like, it was like, don't, you know. Okay, all right, you know. All right. So, but, it, I, I, but I wasn't prepared. Okay. You got to be prepared. The enemy's going to throw a temptation at you and you got to be prepared. 
I mean, the apostle Paul talks about that. He said that you gotta be prepared. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he's like, God's gonna give you the strength and an exit. You gotta be prepared. It's gonna come to you. Everybody faces it. There's no temptation that you're getting that nobody else does. We all get them. Let me be really vulnerable. I went to St. Petersburg, Russia to train for John Maxwell. So I went there. And it's the first time in my life that I've ever been somewhere when I walked into the hotel, I was by myself. A guy comes up to me, he goes, hey, you an American? I said, I'm American. He goes, you need anything while you're here? I got it for you. I said, I think I'm pretty good. And he goes, well, I mean, you need drugs, you need hookers, you need... I said, I don't need any of that. I said, I'm a man of God, get out of here. He goes, well, I've done it for other men of God. I said, not for this one, get out of here. I'm just like shook, like no one has ever asked me that question in my life. I was like, I'm shaking. So I go to my room, I put my luggage down, I turn on the TV, there's pornography on the TV. I'm like, oh, I turn the TV off, I drop the remote, and I'm like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, like, I'm gonna go for a walk. So I'm gonna go for a walk. I go out to the street, I'm walking down Nevsky Prospect in St. Petersburg, and it looks like a porn factory has exploded on the street. There's just pornography everywhere. And I'm like, what? I've never been under this intense, like, attack in my life. And I'm like, I, 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 I don't know what I'm, I'm like, I'm not, I, I don't want to lose everything I've worked so hard in my life for. I don't want to lose this. So I called my wife. I said, honey, I said, listen, th- th- I've never been under this kind of attack in my life. I want you to hold me accountable. I'm not going to turn on the TV. I want you to just, just ask me about my life and purity when I get home. Just hold me accountable. And then I hung up and then I thought, she is so merciful. She might not ask me, you know? So I called one of my pastors who's more mean, you know? And I was like, you know, hey, Call, hold me accountable, make sure that I, and then ever since then, I've been traveling with somebody. I'm pa- uh, traveling with Pastor Zeus. Like he's a huge Packer fan. So he's like in heaven right now. But so, so I, I was like, I'm gonna, pa- I'm gonna travel with somebody cause I'm not gonna be unprepared. You, you, you fall into it because you're not prepared. You gotta, hey, here's where I'm going. Here's where I'm driving by. Here's what, what am I gonna do differently? And sometimes we just kind of, oh, I accidentally took the left turn that took me by the place that took me by the place. Seriously, you have worked too hard to lose the gains that you have. All right, last one, and then we'll pray. This one hits a lot of people. I didn't realize how much this hits a lot of people. And all this is in the book, and if you do it, you can, they're usually like 15 or $18 each. We'll do both for 20. You can get changed before you have to, which is kind of the, Josiah, the loss, and then the other one is all the keep the change. And I'll go out there and sign if, if people want to, I'll do that. Um, this one hit a lot of people. Learned helplessness. What is that? That's where your confidence is gone and you feel powerless. That's where you grow up in a home where you say, you know what, our family, everybody gets divorced. So you're probably gonna get divorced too someday. Just, you know, deal with it, that's what happens. Learned helplessness that says, you know what? Every time we try to get ahead financially, we just never do. It's just who we are. We're just broke. We just, we never can hold jobs. That's just who we are. Learned helplessness that says, you know what? We just, my dad was an alcoholic. My mom was an alcoholic. My grandpa was an alcoholic. It's just who we are. It's in our DNA. We just can't shake it. We can get little peak seasons of hope and grace. We get a little taste of good, but we always lose it because you know what? That's just who we are. Can I tell you something? That's a lie from the enemy. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you know what he said? I'm giving you a DNA infusion. My blood's coming in you now. Now you got heavenly DNA. You got supernatural spirit of God DNA in you now. Your blood's different. Your blood's different. 
You've been washed in the blood and your blood is different. And he says, you know what I call you? I call you son. I call you daughter. You know what I call you? More than a conqueror. You know what I'm telling you? Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. He said, that's who you are. That's who you are. And I want to speak against learned helplessness. Come on, I don't care what your family said over you, your teacher said. Sometimes teachers are, thank God for so many good teachers, but sometimes they say things like, you're never going to mount. No, 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 no. God says you will amount. God says you will increase. God says he smiles on you with favor. When you sleep, he watches you sleep. Come on, God is for you. Who can be against you? You are more, come on, no learned helplessness. So Lord, I just pray right now. There's a lot of people here that something hit them. Something hit them. One of these, I pray they'd put up a guard up. They'd be ready. They wouldn't be caught off guard. God, I pray that they'd keep the change they've worked so hard for. I pray that they'd not think I'm Samson. I got this. But God, especially I close with the learned helplessness. I just, I just think that People speak negative things into our lives and even our own self-talk. That's me, I'm a failure, I'm no good, I can't make it. I'm never getting the promotion, I'm never, no, no, no. It's not self-talk, this is God talk. We align with what you speak over us and with what your word says about us and we will live differently. We will keep the gains that we've worked so hard for. We'll keep the change. We will not slide back and lose it. God, we will keep it and we'll bring you glory and we'll bring you honor. We will produce great fruit so the world will benefit from seeing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness in us. They'll see that and they'll wanna come to you as Lord and Savior. God, we're gonna keep working. We're gonna keep the change and by your power, let it be so. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Come on. Listen, I'm gonna ask everybody to stop, bow your heads and close your eyes in here. You know, before you can keep the change, you gotta make the change. And there are some of you in here who you came into this place for whatever reason, whatever circumstance, and you do not have a relationship with the Lord. You've been toying with it. You've been thinking about it. People have been talking to you about it. But something connected with you as Pastor Rob spoke today and you thought, you know what? I need to make the change today. I wonder if you're here and you'd say, Sean, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I want to make that change before I leave this place. It's very simple to do. Uh, the Bible says that you have to do two things. You have to confess and profess. Confess uh, that your life needs to be changed and then profess that you believe that Jesus can do the changing. And so if you're in here today, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. Here's how. So just a moment, I'm going to ask for people with every head bowed and every eye closed to do two things. First is if you need to begin your relationship with Jesus today, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand and make eye contact with me. Once you made eye contact with me, you can put your hand down. That's your act of confession. Then uh, I'm going to pray a few lines in a prayer and I'm going to pause. And then I'm going to ask everyone in here to repeat what I just prayed. And if you repeat it and you mean it in your heart, the Bible says that you will be saved. So if you're here today and you say, Sean, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I want to make that change with nobody looking around. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me right now? Thanks. 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 Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Anybody else? Thank you. Okay, I'm going to ask everybody in here to say this after me. Say, Jesus, I've got sin in my life. I don't want it. 
forgive me, change me, come into my life, make me different, be my Lord, be my Savior, in Jesus' name, amen. Secondarily, I wonder if you're here and you've, you've made that change, but you've given it away from time to time. And like Pastor Rob said, it's time for us to keep the change. If you're here and you've been struggling, you've been one foot in, one foot out, and you say, Sean, I wanna make a commitment today. Like, let's just say for the next 30 days, you're gonna do everything that you can uh, to keep the change. If you need to keep the change and you haven't been, would you just pop your hand up so that I can pray for you for strength? Yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus, for my friends in this place, so many people that they've, that they've made the change, but the enemies try to reach into their pocket and steal the change. God, I pray that they would keep it, that their hearts and their minds to be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Still thinking about the message? Go follow our message recap podcast, Chew on That. The Chew on That podcast is a podcast where Life Church staff chew over the latest messages to dig deeper into our faith. Tap the link in the episode description to have a listen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week.